It's been an exciting season for the Utah Utes, and we're talking about it and recapping some of the best moments as we near the Utah's second half of the season going into the Washington State game on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. On today's show, we're going to be going over and breaking down some of the best moments for the Utes this season, as well as talking about what they need to do. If they want to repeat as Pac-12 champions. That dream's still alive thanks to a monumental win versus the USC Trojans. My name is JT Wistersill, and a very special guest joining me today, the voice of the Utes and the man who was on the call for that USC game, Bill Riley. And Bill, this Utah team, it's been a crazy season. I mean, we would think about the first game down in Gainesville, Florida, the most recent one versus USC. It's been a lot of fun. And, you know, now that we've had a weekend, even after the bye week to kind of rest and reset, it's going to be really interesting to see what this team can do going forward for the rest of the season. And in terms of them repeating as Pac-12 champions, I just feel like they need to get back to being really dominant in the trenches. And look, they had a very good performance in pass protection against a Trojans team that came in leading the country in sacks. But I think running the ball, you want to see them be a little bit more dominant in that regard, and especially getting pressure on the quarterback on the other end. But what do you feel like are the things this Utah team really needs to do if they do want to repeat as Pac-12 champions? Well, I think consistency, JT, as much as anything else. You know, I've said this on my radio show. I've said it on broadcast. Not every team's going to be the same every single year. Last year was an elite defense. The defense this year isn't elite, but it's still very good. And it's relatively young and a work in progress. But this offense is very good. It, it's bordering on an elite offense. And some years, one side's going to have to carry the other. Utah fans have been grown so used to defense being carrying the day under Kyle Whittingham that sometimes you forget. Sometimes an offense can do the same thing, too. And I think Saturday night was a prime example of that. You're not wrong. Um, you know, getting pressure on the quarterback, getting home to the quarterback it is going to be key. Um, but I'll, I'll say this, you know, maybe this isn't a year where they have a dominant running back. Maybe you don't get there. They're still rushing for almost 200 yards a game. I know. There's different ways to get to the end product. It's okay to throw for 300 yards. It's okay to throw for 400 yards. You've got an all-conference quarterback who's really, really good and weapons all over the field. So Kyle Whittingham even alluded to it a little bit this week. Hey, if Cam's got to throw the ball and we get that kind of production, protect, production, let's do it. So I've been trying to, you know, Utah fans are very critical. And they're not alone. Every fan base is critical when, when their team is successful. But my point is this team could be very good and maybe Pac-12 champions again but they might have to go about it a little bit different way this year. And that's okay. As long as you get to your end goal. You talk about going about it a different way. That was something that was big coming into the season was being more explosive on offense. And it felt like we really saw that come to fruition this past week, the deep bomb to money parks, of course, yep. Cam just in general, what a day he had connecting with Dalton Kincaid as well. What do you think has led to this offense becoming more explosive, especially it was something we thought we would see maybe week one versus Florida, but it took its time and now really popped off versus the Trojans. Well, I think some of it goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago. The, the, the running game is good. It's effective, but it's not dominant. For whatever reason, Tavion Thomas isn't having the same type of year this year that he had last year. Still effective. Makai Bernard's been a little beat up. But your 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 weapons, I mean, even without Brant Keithy for the last couple of weeks, Kincaid, Vele, Parks, 
you're getting more and more people involved in the offense. And you again, you've got a quarterback who can make the throws and get you all over the field. So I think the lack of a dominant run game has probably opened up the throw game to be a little bit more, you know, pr productive this year. It definitely feels like it. And it feels like Cam has been able to shoulder more of a load this season. That was the first game that it really felt like it fell on completely on his shoulders. And yeah. he was able to come up in the in the last play because that was something, unfortunately, against Florida. Just wishes he could have that throw back, had an opportunity to do it there, and then was able to do it against the Trojans. Do you think Cam's game has really changed from game one to game the game we just saw? Or do you think it's more so something that he's been this guy all season, just had to make a minor tweak or two? Well, I, I think the game has evolved this year. I think he's always been this guy. But but I think the change in philosophy and the ability to air the ball out a little bit more has kind of changed how you view him. By the way, it's okay. The quarterback's the most important player on the field. If you go to Ohio State, guess who shoulders the load? It's, it's C.J. Stroud. If you go to Alabama, it's Bryce Young. If you go to Tennessee, it's Hendon Hooker. Uh, what did Caleb uh, Williams do? He shouldered the load and carried it. That's what great quarterbacks do. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, these guys shoulder the load. So it's okay. It, it, again, I think we've grown so used to Utah being defense first, run first, tough physical, that sometimes you forget when you've got an elite quarterback, and Utah's had some over the years. Tyler Huntley, had he had another year under Andy Ludwig, probably would have been, I mean, he was an all-conference quarterback, but probably would have taken even another step forward in his progression. Brian Johnson was an all borderline All-American. Alex Smith. If you have elite quarterbacks, you want them to shoulder the load. You mentioned Brian Johnson as well. He's a guy that sounds like he's just about to become a head coach in the NFL. Yeah. Tyler Huntley is well on his way to becoming an NFL starting quarterback with even people like I believe on ESPN. They've mentioned before they don't think there's 32 quarterbacks better than Tyler Huntley. So you can just see the way the quarterback position has grown and changed at this Utah program. It's been something that's really exciting to watch. And look, you have Cam Rising on your show once a week as well. You get to talk with him frequently. What's something that most people might not know about Cam? Well, he's he's not an open book, if that makes sense. I mean, he's a pretty laser-focused guy. I mean, football really and truly is his life right now. I mean, he lives it and breathes it. He's graduated already. So he's locked in on football. Did you see what I did there? Locked in, yeah. locked on football. Um, because he wants to play at the next level next year. So I, I think what people would, you know, maybe people know this, but he is – football 24 seven. He is a gym rat. He's in the film room. He lives it and he breathes it. And, and I think that's a big reason why you can count on him and lean on him the way the Utes can this year. And they really have. And that's what we've been talking about here. And it's been impressive to watch him be able to shoulder that load. And I think one thing that's also been impressive for this team is been being able to overcome the loss of Brant Keithy, because going into the season, I think if I told you that Utah would only get 28 yards versus USC and Brant Keithy wouldn't play, you probably don't think Utah wins that game. And I think that just speaks to the growth of this offense overall and even how they've evolved without Brant. Well, it's a little bit out of necessity. I mean, let's not kid yes. ourselves. If you take Brant Keithy out of there, it's that some people have to step up. But I, I think it also shows that they've recruited pretty well mm -hmm. behind that. You know, Jalen Dixon's return. Don't underestimate that. His speed on the field, the evolution of Money Parks. We're even beginning to see Makai Cope, who's a redshirt freshman wide receiver, play a little bit of a role in this offense with Devon Bailey. I think Makai Bernard might be the best all-around weapon they have on this team. His ability to catch it out of the backfield, run the football, pass block. I mean, and Kincaid is what he is. He looks like the second coming of Kelsey out there right now for, 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 for Utah. So I, I think, you know, we said, well, who's going to step up? I don't think it was one person. I think you've just seen a number of people elevate their game since Keithy got hurt.
And it has been impressive to watch those guys elevate their games. Another guy throwing in the tight end room has kind of been a consistent presence all year, but is a guy in Logan Kendall who Utah doesn't score that last touchdown before the two-point conversion without him and Braden Daniels helping to open up the left side. So great job by those guys doing work over there. Well, yeah, I mean, Logan Kendall is a de facto tackle. I mean, let's not yeah, kid that's true. Yeah. <laughs> they bring him in. You know, at some point this year, I think Andy Ludwig's probably going to throw him the ball, sneak him out of the backfield when everybody yeah. thinks it's going to be a run. He caught a couple of touchdowns when he played up at Idaho, but I mean, he is a bruiser. He's six foot three, he's 265 pounds, and he gets movement up front, whether he's a fullback or they line him up on the end. And yeah, you're right. He's not catching passes like Kincaid and Keithy were, even Yasmin a little bit. He's the he's a more prototypical traditional tight end, you know, fullback. And and he's you know, he showed, he served a real purpose in rundowns and short yardage and goal line. Really has a big sky bruiser indeed for this <laughs> Utah team. And we're going to continue to talk about this Utah team and some of the things we've seen from them on the season. But first, I want to take an opportunity to tell you guys about Simply Safe. The numbers don't lie. In the last four decades, in the last decade, over four million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. They have additional 24/7 professional monitoring. Simply Safe agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency even if you're not home or can't be reached. Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and outside your home. Smarter ways to detect motion. The only alert they only alert you when a threat is real and even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires floods and other threats to your home make sure you guys customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on college save 20 percent on your simply safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free visit simplysafe.com slash locked on college to learn more there's no safe like simply safe bill as we mentioned you've been on the call for every moment of this utah season so far what has been your favorite moment i mean it's hard to it's hard to go away from the last you know two minutes of the game saturday night i mean it was just like the whole night was special i mean mm -hmm. from the the painted helmets That's to true. the blackout crowd to the largest crowd in rice eccles history to the football game to aaron and ty's parents and family being there to the win and then the students storming the field. I mean, it, it it's hard to pick one moment, but I, I would say kind of that last sequence of Utah scoring the touchdown, going for two, and then, you know, thwarting that USC drive and then the students pouring on the field. I, I, I said on my radio show this week or last week, it was it was probably one of my three fav most favorite games I've ever called at, at, at Utah. It's, it was just amazing. It really was an incredible atmosphere. Definitely my favorite since going to games at Rice Eccles as well. Just one of those moments you won't forget. So for this Utah team on the season, what have been some of the biggest surprises for you in terms of players that have stepped up or just other developments and storylines we've seen? Well, I mean, players stepping up. I, I expected Devon Vele to be a player in this yeah. offense, but that hasn't surprised me a lot. Um, I probably expected a little bit more, um, but again, he's a freshman out of like a Jalen Glover because there was so yeah. much talk of him. But, you know, it, it's rare that you play three or four running backs. It's more likely you're playing two. And maybe there's a chance Jalen gets a little bit more playing time this year, but maybe that surprised me a little bit. Um, defensively, I probably thought there'd be a little bit more pass rush. Guys like O'Toole and Ellis and Fillinger. 
Gabe Reed has come on as of late. So yes. I, I think he's been a really nice addition to transfer from Stanford. It's good to see RJ Hubert back out there. For sure. Um, you know, he's just he's he's just been snake bitten by injuries. He's played really, really well. And I, you know, I knew Clark Phillips was good and when he was gonna have a good year, but he's been really, really good against really good talent. I know a lot of people pointed at you know some of the stuff on, on Saturday night against USC, but I'm just here to tell you that that's hard to do. And and he was moving in the slot and outside. There aren't many guys that can play every position in that defensive backfield. And Phillips is one of them. So, um, I, you know, just, just a few things here and there. I mean, I thought this team was going to be good. I, I, I didn't think that they would necessarily lose to Florida. I thought they'd trip up probably somewhere in PAC 12 play. I knew UCLA would be a tough game. Oregon's going to be a tough game. The next game coming up on the Palouse against Washington state won't be an easy game. Um, I guess I would say the, the Florida loss surprised me a little bit because it's it's they were better that day. Utah beat themselves, I think, more than Florida beat them. And as it turns out, Florida isn't very good. Yeah, that does make it interesting. And I want to ask you about that Florida loss in a second a little more. But I think you make such a great point about Clark and even the rest of Utah's secondary in this. There's a reason when I kind of opened up with this about just some of this Utah team struggles. I started with the pass rush because you look at it, it's like, well, they gave up a ton of passing yards. Well, it's really hard to cover for like eight seconds, which is the third down play of the game. Caleb Williams literally had eight seconds before he decided to tuck it and run it. And guys were so far down the field and still covered, by the way, that Williams was able to run for 55 yards on that one. So it's one of the things that's so challenging and why this Utah secondary is still really a strength for this team going forward. But you mentioned that Florida loss, and I am curious. That was kind of one early on in the year. It, it doesn't matter as much now, I feel like, in terms of originally college football playoff success. We were kind of talking about that earlier in terms of seeding. When you lose two losses, when you have two losses, you're not going there anymore. But in general, in terms of this team's just, when we do see the college football playoff rankings roll in, as in for what kind of bowl game they'll end up in, and there's a lot of football to be played along with that as well. How do you think we'll view that Florida loss at the end of the season, just knowing it still was Billy Napier's first game as head coach, and they got a really fired up Gators team. Well, again, college football first games are just so hard because you don't have a preseason, and the atmosphere was tough, and they were fired up. And like I said, Utah was kind of its own worst enemy in that game. They didn't tackle very well, but even with that being yeah. said, yeah, even with that being said, they're they're off. The offense moved the ball well enough. You know, yes. they they did. I mean, you know, they they have they get stopped on the goal line, and I'm still convinced. I saw two different angles that showed Cam was in on third down. They didn't review for whatever reason. And of course, the the, the turnover on the uh, late in the game in the, in the red zone and the end zone at the other end. Utah was the better team that day. You're right. It, it, at the end of the day, they're not going to the playoffs now. That loss won't matter as much as long as they run the table in in the Pac-12 and, and get back to a Pac-12 championship game. But it was just it was a it was a first game. It, it was a first game in a hostile atmosphere, and they looked like they were playing a first game because they they made a lot of self-inflicted mistakes. And part of the reason Utah had 27 missed tackles in that day game was because of some of the inexperience at the linebacker position for this Utah team. And one guy that, interesting enough, of course, went to Florida is Mo Diabate. Now, Diabate is a guy who's made a couple of really great plays on the season, but on some of the bigger plays Utah's given up, whether it's missing a tackle or over-pursuing and getting himself out of position, he's cost this Utah defense. How do you feel like he's going to play through the stretch run now that Utah's pretty much on till the end of their season? Well, I mean, you, you hope that he's dialed in now. He's had enough time in this defense now. He's played with these guys in now, what is it, four and a half, five games. So you would you would hope, being the veteran player he is, that he's now ready to go and that he's now ready and, and kind of more dialed in because Utah can't, can't afford not to have him be. 
those three guys have to play well at linebacker. And Diabate is the most veteran of those three guys. When you watch a game like the USC game, some of the Florida, the Florida game, some of the issues come to mind as well. How much of those defensive struggles do you feel like fall on the players versus coaching things that maybe coach Scally and the other coaches have maybe failed on it for lack of a better word, or in terms of preparation or of just a game execution kind of thing. Well, I mean, you can't blame Morgan Scally or Kyle Whittingham for a guy missing tackles. I mean, that's, that's I mean, that's 27 missed tackles. That's 27 guys that were in position to make a tackle that didn't make a tackle. I don't think you can blame coaching staff on that. Now scheme, when you dial up pressure and blitzes that, that comes down to coaching and maybe, you know, but again, nothing, nothing's ever black and white. There's always shades of gray. And I think that I think that's the case here. I think if you were to ask Morgan to go back, he, you know, it's always easy to armchair quarterback in, in in hindsight and things like that. But you know, I, I if we're divvying up blame, I don't know, sixty percent, seventy percent of the players, because again, they're the ones out there playing. They're the ones out there taking bad angles. They're the ones out there missing tackles. I know coaches always say we've got to coach them better, but come on, these guys are high level Power Five Division One players. They know how to take angles. Sometimes you just get sloppy or forget your technique. But, you know, it's, it's again, shades of gray. The coaching staff bears some responsibility. But I'm always one that says players play. And you put the players in position, players play, and coaches coach. And so ultimately, I think more of the, bear, more of the blame usually goes to the guys that are actually on the field, whether it's pro or college. I think that's a great point. And I think you see a lot of fans who are always quick to blame the coaches, especially when they may not like them for other reasons outside of some of those things. So I do appreciate you making that point as well, because this Utah team does have a really loaded group of coaches as well. And it's going to be fun to see the opportunity in the adjustments they have to make during the bye week for this Utah team. We're going to wrap up our conversation with Bill in just a second, but first I want to talk to you guys about betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game. As always, BetOnline reminds you, remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. Guys, MLB playoffs well underway now, as well as the NBA season kicking in high gear, and of course, we know how you're spending your Saturdays and Sundays consuming all the glorious football content we have on TV. So make sure you guys head over to Ben online, get in all the, on all the action, even some for Thursday with Washington state, the game for the Utes on Thursday night. So head over to bet online or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts. So bill Washington state this Thursday, kind of a weird week. You go, you get your bye week, but it's not a full bye week. Cause you do have to come back a little bit of a shorter turnaround. The players have gotten a couple days off this week, but it's nice opportunity, you know, coming, you able to really come down from the emotional highs of that USC game and not have a quick turnaround in that regard. So how do you expect this Utah team to come out in the Washington state game? And what are the things you're looking for specifically to see after the USC performance? Well, I would be surprised if they didn't come out focused. I mean, again, beating USC is great. That's why, you know, the bye comes at a good time. It gives you a chance to kind of refocus yourself and also gives you a chance to heal up a little bit. Washington State's also on a bye, so they're going to have a little time to kind of do the same thing too. Um, this will be a challenge. I, I don't think Washington State has the same level of athlete that, say, Utah, U, USC and UCLA have. But they run a unique scheme. It's air raid-esque. Not quite air raid, but pretty close to it. It's what Cam Ward ran at a Mac Incarnate Word uh, before he transferred. His offensive coordinator came with him from uh, from Incarnate Word to Washington State. So Utah is going to have to defend the field again. Um, and the thing about Washington State is that's interesting is their defense is actually really good. Jake Dickert's a defensive guy. He's the head coach now. 
they did a pretty good job for about three quarters on USC down at the Coliseum. And then USC had a little bit of a fourth quarter and pulled away on them a little bit. So it's up on the Palouse. It's a Thursday night. It's a weird place to play. The crowd's always good. I, I think Utah that, you know, people have circled this as a trap game. Well, I don't think it's a trap game. I, I just, I think it's going to be a tough game on Thursday night because the, the Cougs are scrappy. It will be. And it's going to be fun to see how this Utah team comes out. Look, and you mentioned Jalen Glover a little bit earlier as a guy who could see an expanded role, depending on how some of the things shake out in Utah's backfield the rest of the season. But I am curious who are a couple of the other guys on this team that you do expect to kind of break out in the second half. Uh, I, I think one of the defensive ends has to. I don't think it can just be Gabe Reed. I think those guys are all still, again, we we, we forget Van Fillinger's a sophomore and yeah. Ellis is a sophomore and you know, Connor O'Toole's playing defensive end for the first time in his career. So I, these guys are still relatively young, but I just think it can't just, somebody's got to emerge there. Somebody's got to be the quote unquote mayor of Sac Lake City. Yeah. But I think somebody at defensive end has to emerge. I'm not sure who that's going to be, but I think somebody in that group has to emerge just a little bit. And, uh, you know, outside of that, I mean, the offense is a pretty proven commodity right now. Mm -hmm. it, it's interesting on that right side, you know, yes. Michael Mocafisi came in and now it's now it was last week it was Jaron Kump and it'll be interesting to see who plays that right guard spot but but for the most part that offensive line has been fantastic Cam has been outstanding they're running the ball effective enough I just think this isn't going to be a year where we see you know five or six hundred yard rushing games we just what are we seeing one 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 this year was it the Southern Utah game well Tavion had a hundred yards in the ground versus Florida I believe did he We'll have to check and get back. <laughs> I will have to check and get back anyway. But I, I just don't think it's going to be that kind of year. But I, I think that good coaches, and Andy Ludwig's a really good offensive coach, are able to scheme things up. And it's okay. So I, I think the offense is going to be fine. The other thing, the other place I'd like to see a player emerge, and this is crazy to say, kickoffs. Oh, Can somebody <laughs> kick the ball into the end zone? That's... I know it's been the bane of Kyle Whittingham's you know existence this year. And he says these guys can all kick it in, in the end zone in practice. Heck, they were on their third kicker Saturday, Ben Norton. I had yeah. to double check it when I, I was like, Ben Norton, okay. But but yet yeah, somebody, they, they've got to be better. You can't give teams starting field position at the 35, 40, 45-yard line. Now, again, USC and UCLA are somewhat anomalies because they have the athletes. They bring it out all the time. Not everybody does that. But it just makes life so much easier on your defense when they're starting on the 20 or 25 versus the 35 or 40, that's a big deal. You mentioned special teams. Where do you feel like the, the range is at this point in terms of field goals that Kyle Whittingham feels comfortable kicking? Cause you missed the 30 yarder against USC. And we heard coach Whittingham talk about a post game. As soon as they crossed the mid halfway mark of the field, he was telling coach Ludwig, this is four down territory. So do you think he's going to, there's going to be a little bit of trust with that? Well, or do you think I think it depends where you are in the game. I think in the first quarter, if you've got a fourth and seven from the from the 30, 33, maybe you attempt it. Or from the 28, maybe you attempt it. But I, I think down distance and time in the game probably plays a role in that. You know, Jaden Redding is a pretty consistent kicker up to about 45 yards or so. Yeah. Not the biggest leg, but but not bad. Jordan's got a really big leg, but he's the one that hasn't place kicked a lot and he's a little bit more inconsistent. And, you know, we saw Saturday night against USC. Kyle doesn't mess around. You miss a kick, he's going to put the other guy in there. So, uh, but to answer your question, again, end of half, I think you try it 50 yards, whatever. 
but if it's if it's you know in in the half or wherever uh, probably in that 40 to 45 yard range and again depending is it fourth and two or is it fourth and eight i think that can make a difference too very true and bill just to bring this full circle we kind of talked uh-huh. about how different this utah team was on the season so i did check tavion did have 115 yards on 23 carries in the first there game you of go. Season. I don't expect to see a Utah running back get 23 carries again at any point the rest of this season. So it does speak to how this offense has kind of changed and matured. And in terms of the offense as well as the rest of this team, what are your just kind of expectations for this team going forward? Are they someone who is capable of reaching a Rose Bowl again and going to that kind of level? Well, I think they absolutely are, but they're going to have to win out in the regular season and get to a Pac-12 championship game. And then, you know, they're going to get a crack at somebody they've seen already, whether it's Oregon, UCLA, or USC, you're going to get a crack at somebody second time around. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be what it was last year where they just rolled Oregon in that game. Whoever they play is going to be really good. If it's UCLA, you've got to defend DTR and Zach Charbonnet and all that fly motion stuff. If it's USC, look out Caleb Williams and the dudes again. Heck, it could be Oregon. I mean, Oregon, this, you know, they could set, they could set a real, you know, they could send a real statement. So who knows? But, but I, I definitely think Utah's got a real chance. Um, every game, they're, they're going to be favored in almost every game. I'm not sure the game at Austin, if they'll be favored, it'll be close. But they'll be favored in every other game, and they should win every other game. And I think if they win out, they'll probably be back in Vegas. It's going to be fun to see if they're able to do so. So, Bill, really appreciate you joining us. Make sure, If you guys want to get more, Bill, make sure you guys tune in to ESPN 700. Make sure you guys give him a follow as well on Twitter at ESPN 700 Bill. And make sure you guys listen in this Thursday as Bill will be on the call. Bill, appreciate you for joining us. JT, thanks. Anytime. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in Locked On Ute. Stay with us the rest of the week. Lots of more fun stuff coming up, breaking down the game versus Washington State. That's it for today's edition of Locked On Utes, but we'll see you tomorrow.